So I was pulling up to one of those mer- those on-ramp merge lanes with the stoplights, you know, and uh, just listening to the usual, you know, some 60s uh, French pop, courtesy of Jacques Dutronc from his album, Et moi, et moi, et moi, with the song L'Operation, which is actually a very Dylan-esque, kind of Bob Dylan thing. I don't know. Maybe that was his thing. I don't know. And honestly, who else isn't listening to some good 60s French pop these days, right? But I saw all these people just blowing through the fucking red stoplight at the merge lane. And I'm thinking, what is this? This is chaos. This is, this is, this, this aggression won't stand. This, 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 uh, this is unsustainable. And trust me, there's nothing that blows out your pipes better than a nice session of 60s French pop. You know what I'm saying? Little Francois Hardy singing uh, L'Amour d'un Garçon. Or, uh, like I say, a little Jacques Dutronc from his album L'Opportunistique. Or, what the fuck? I don't know. Why am I listening? What's wrong with me? There's something going on. Honestly, it's just, it's really just too hot to even fucking think straight. I'm tooling down the highway just listening to the 60s French pop. There's something... Uh, or is that normal? Uh, is it... Is it... Uh, is it fantastique? Is it vraiment? C'est bon? Je suis d'accord? Am I okay? I don't know. All of a sudden, I'm just fucking speaking French and blowing through the lights here and the and it's chaos and people are just kind of uh, doing their own thing and uh, ah, nevertheless here is um, here's episode 254 hope you enjoy it um, it's just me droning on about reinventing yourself uh, coming to the end of a tether dealing with burnout uh, 60s French pop and uh, and uh, this time of year the dog days of summer alright enjoy is it me or, or am I alone in thinking that we would be we would be like in this kind of uh, revival of the 20s you know the, the 1920s the, we'd be in this state of uh, celebration you know like the like back in the 1920s when there was like flappers and um everybody's happy the war was over and uh people just see you know it was like it was the roaring 20s it was f scott fitzgerald it was decadence it was champagne and um girls dress like flappers and all that shit but here we are I, I um, saw this guy the other day he was riding in the far left lane of a uh, of a two lane road separated by a divider but he was in a, a wheelchair he was in an electric wheelchair and we came up to a three way stop and he was in the far left lane and um uh, he, and he looked like he was—he looked like it was like 
deliberate. Like, he knew where he was going, uh, but he was in a wheelchair, like an electric wheelchair, uh, that didn't go that fast. Um, <laughs> so I don't know, you know. Um, so what's going on? How you guys doing? Did you get that thing taken care of? Did you, did, were you able to buff that thing out of the sidewall of your car the, on the quarter panel? You know what I'm talking about? Where it looked like it was kind of uh, hit by um, or swiped by like the, the center median there. Or did you get that, um, that rat, did that rash clear up? Did everything go away? Did that pain in your left nut kind of subside? Are you kind of past the worry, worrying stage? Um, did you ever clean out that front part of your yard there where all that stuff was just collecting and uh, you had, you know, old, like, bath towels and stuff like that that you kind of still thought you could use, but, I don't know, they've been sitting outside a while and uh, now, they're, now they're a little crusty and do I just leave them outside or, or what, you know? How's it going? Did you get everything accomplished this weekend that you're aiming to accomplish or did you just kind of... Kind of start the morning early and get that cup of coffee in you, get a little inspiration, get a little dopamine going, and then it all just kind of started to uh, unravel as you scrolled through Instagram for an hour, hour and a half, knowing that your screen time was going up statistically, percentage-wise, and that it would rudely, harshly remind you Sunday afternoon that... Um, your average screen time went up 15% or some shit. Right on. So, after all the chaos of Friday and easing into the weekend, even though it was just, just almost like unfairly hot, you know, where like you get out and you get out of the car and it's just instant, just flop sweat. It's instant, just beaded forehead. Um, is it what, after sorting through the, like Friday was good for me. Um, I, I don't have as many obligations on Friday as I used to. So um, I get up in the morning and I, I do what, I do what David Goggins calls putting on your armor for the day. That means getting in the gym or getting out on the trail, or getting out on a run, getting out with the sun in your face, kind of setting that circadian clock, you know, and just start moving forward, just kind of pushing forward. And, uh, and that's a good point he put that he makes that it, it is kind of like an armor that you're, 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 you're protecting yourself. You're kind of wrapping yourself in the gauze of the day. So that you can withstand, like you're preparing yourself physically and mentally and getting yourself up to speed for whatever, whatever may come your way, whatever um, obstacle or I get, I get pretty excited. Uh, I, I always forget. I don't know. Like I've got the best situation in the world. I just get up and I, I drive around, I pick up boxes from donor centers, I talk to um, I talk to nurses all day, just bullshitting. The other day, when I was out uh, in Folsom, and uh, one of the girls there, she just bought a house, 
she was saying that um, she's had a lot of issues. Um, it's a new subdivision, and which is typical, like when you are on that fresh, fresh subdivision dirt, that foundation's got to settle on it. And um, this is old news, you know, most people, and she already knew this too, but as it settles, it starts cracking, the drywall cracks a little, or the the texture and the paint starts to crack, you start getting a little seams, you can't see where the seams in the, in the, uh, the drywall are, and that's nothing to be alarmed about, but she was saying like, man, it was like fucking cracks everywhere, and then one of the other girls walks by and she goes, why are you talking about my crack? Are we talking about my crack again? And I said... Well, welcome to Crack Talk. I just thought I'd bring up, uh, you know, an eye on crack. We're going to do an expose on crack today. Today we're talking crack. Hello, hello, caller. What's your question? My question is, do you enjoy crack as much as I do? And I, my answer, of course, is yes, I do, except when it comes to new subdivisions. I don't... Anyway... So we were having crack talk, and I just started riffing on the whole crack talk, and I thought, hmm, what kind of crack? Are we still talking about crack? Are we, is this something that, uh, are we talking about the same thing? But, uh, but that's what's fun about this job is just kind of BSing with these, these, these chicks, these girls, these women. And, um, and I realize that, I don't know, everything's kind of finite. Um, and why would you want it to, why, why do you want the same thing every day? Why do you want the same, why do you want to know what to expect around every corner? You, it's nice and it takes away a lot of anxiety, but at the same time it becomes mundane, becomes kind of predictable. So, um. The reason I say that is because there is a blood shortage. There's always screwing with the schedule. Um, there's been a mutiny, not a mutiny, but uh, amongst the drivers and the dispatch. This and there's it's constant tension um, because, like I said, nothing is um, n- nothing is perfect. Nor do we expect perfectionism. We like it, or we think we like it, but we don't. Because, it be, again, that's where it becomes predictable and you, you start to kind of itch for um, a little more variety, right? Say, like, um, just a break in the monotony. Everybody needs a little break, you know? Everybody needs a little time away. But, um, but there's volatility and there's unpredictability now and a lot of things and um the days of doing the same thing for 40 years and then retiring are mm, pretty much over pretty, virtually over we've all got to keep our head on a swivel and you got to be be ready to react so um it just seems like every industry that uh see, I, I i tend to kind of I change things up. I do like to change things up. And I do it every decade or so. So I did I did cabinets for about a decade. Then I did car sales for about a decade. What happens inevitably is within each within each discipline or, or skill set that you learn, 
eventually, at least in my situation, the bottom kind of drops out of the market of whatever you're doing. So it used to be like you could make, gosh, three, 400 bucks a day doing cabinets. You'd go, like I would go into the city. I would go into San Francisco, down by the ballpark, down by Townsend. And uh, this was back around 99 and 2000. And they were renovating a lot of those old um, buildings and, and um, turning them into lofts, mostly a lot of lofts, townhomes, stuff like that. And um, there was like this kind of Irish mafia that was running things down there. They'd get these 1% loans and then they would renovate a building and then they would hire our company to go in and do the cabinets and then you'd spend all week going in there. At the time I lived in Marin County um, just south of uh, Novato there and I would go into uh, just cross the Golden Gate into um, right into the city there. I'd pull into some back alley somewhere unload my truck, pull it up into this building, pull all my gear up there air compressors, saws, tool belts nails air guns, hoses, cords, and you just bust ass till uh, somebody would have delivered all the cabinets. The company had dropped all our cabinets off, and then we would just be slinging cabinets all day. You could do 300 a unit, you know, and we'd have, Jesus, a dozen units to do to knock out in the course of the week. But eventually that gets saturated, uh, momentum slows down. Um, you hit a little mini recession. Um, the banks tighten up. The loans are harder to get. And so it becomes kind of a bottom feeder market. So all of a sudden people are doing things on the cheap. They're doing it for half the price. They're bringing in Chinese-made product. Um, the local shops aren't having to produce as much. Uh, even the high production shops that you know, are shipping them in from Canada or Southern California are slowing down. The pay isn't the same. Um, so you have to retool. You got to regroup and then um, kind of reinvent yourself. And um, so after that, that's when I went into, I just kind of answered an ad in, um, in, 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 in all, I mean, I kind of bluffed my way into the cabinet thing. My dad was a builder. And he built houses and he did uh, a lot of concrete work. And um, so I, I'd, I framed a lot of houses with him, but I didn't want to do that. That's how I ended up in cabinets. But but uh, I didn't know much. I didn't know enough about cabinets. So when I got hired on for this company, um, they were based in Canada, but they had um, a local satellite office out in Livermore. And um, I just kind of bluffed my way in into that that job and uh, and learned as I went I just kind of taught myself as, to, uh, as I went so but uh, but eventually yeah the wall the, the wheels fall off your cart and uh, you're kind of just skidding along and so you got to reinvent yourself so at that point um, 10 years later it would be 2009 and um, we just come out of the Great Recession um, the government bailed out all those banks. And so we 
um, it was rough going there, but I saw another ad for um, car sales, and I thought, ah, fuck it, that might be interesting, you know. And I didn't know it. You don't know what to. You don't. What do do car salesmen make money? Supposedly they do. Supposedly everybody, you know, hates them because of the money that they're ripping them off of, uh, out of, of, you know, thousands of dollars on each sale. So I thought, well, that's the job for me. So, um, so this was April of 09 and, uh, didn't have any experience, but I was pretty forthright in that. And, in, in that honesty, I was very honest. And, uh, and so I just kind of learned as I went again. And that's kind of the best thing about new jobs like that is kind of not knowing stuff because you're not, there's not, there isn't like a daunting task that, you, it's, that you're aware of or made aware of to be put in front of you that you could psych yourself out of. So you don't have to... Um, you don't really have to overthink it. You go in unprepared, not unprepared. You go in without uh, any preconception, and then turn it into and then turn it into something. And it you know it either works or it doesn't. Um, in all fairness, um, like when I was doing when I did when I got up to, and I got up to speed pretty quick on the car sales thing. It's just all that is is making a friend. You know, talking to someone, getting on common ground. You know, they walk in with a Raider shirt. Hey, how about the, you know, how about them Raiders? You know, what do you think the A's are going to do? You think the A's are going to move out of town just like the, the Raiders, man? Jeez, is Garoppolo going to be healthy enough this year? Just break the ice, you know? Um, and then you just make a friend. So that's pretty easy to do because I can yap. You know, I can talk about bullshit I can just make up shit and um, even with cars like you don't what I noticed too is like you didn't have to know about cars you don't have to know about cars most of the guys I knew could barely spell their own name let alone tell you about cars um, unless you had a real specialist a real, a real specialist in a customer that you know came in to buy that specific like I want this car you know, I'd read a lot about the performance. I want to know about the, you know, is it a dual overhead cam? Is it, what's the horsepower? You know, is the torque up there? What's the fuel economy? Blah, blah, blah. But that's so rare. I mean, honestly, people are so distracted these days that um, it's rare that you get that one person that's really just kind of pinpointing exact inf needed exact information for a situation. Or, you know, but sometimes you get a family that comes in, they're looking, you know, they're in a minivan, they want to get out of the minivan to get into another minivan, or they're getting out of a, uh, maybe it's a fam, or somebody that's growing, uh, their family's growing, they got, a, you know, they're expecting one, they've got little ones, they're coming out of a sedan, they want to get into an SUV or a minivan. And you work on the safety, you talk about the safety, you hype the safety. Oh, this is the best. This says the... This has the uh, crumple zones in the uh, underneath the hood. It's got the breakaway motor mounts. 
It's got the side impact beams in the door. I mean, the hinges on these doors are just remarkable. I mean, you could hang on these hinges. They, take, they can take a beating. They're meant to... Look at the way... Look at the stance. Look at the, look at the width on the chassis. You know, there, there's, you can't tip this car. You can't. You can't tip this car over. I was talking to my buddy Mike over the weekend. Or uh, not... When did he call? Thursday... He was talking about some dude. <laughs> he was flying down the highway. And uh, it was in the rain or something. And some smart car just whizzed by him. He's like, man, if that thing got away from me, or if that thing got in front of me, or if it just kind of lost it, that thing would bounce all over the highway like a golf ball, you know? I figured, I even asked him, I figured you'd, you know, you've probably picked a few of those out of your grill, I would imagine. The smart, you know, most people have their minds set up when they go in to get a car. And you, all you're doing is managing, managing the situation. You're managing them like a ball, like a ball, like a ball club, like a manager for, you know, like the Giants manager. All you're doing is you're kind of doing a crowd control thing. You're just kind of nudging them in one direction or the other. You're reacting to things, and um, but uh, but yeah. So eventually, you have to, and even then. So in the car business, it got to the point where all of a sudden it was like they were draining the character out of the business. The character was gone. It wasn't the same. Um, it's been homogenized, been corporatized. Um, big. Big companies go in, f like uh, future, future Ford, future Nissan, the future ownership group, uh, Lithia. All these guys come in and they swoop up these little fledgling, little dealerships. You know, they might have two or three manufacturer lines that they're, they're representing, and then they'll take over. And then all of a sudden, you went from wearing a uh, a button-up without a tie to, like, some cookie-cutter-looking same color with the company logo on the shirt and looking the same as everybody, having to kind of act the same. You're kind of directed to um, talk the same as everybody else. So that you don't upset the customer or if the customer asked you or somebody else on the sales floor the same question, they would get the same answer between you or them or the manager or anybody. And uh, and I understand. I get that. It's just dreary. It's just... Uh, but, but inevitably, too... All of a sudden, the commissions start to disappear. All of a sudden, there's no more commission. All of a sudden, it's hourly. Oh, you work hourly in the car business? What? Now the money drops out of that. The bottom drops out of that. Um, I mean, um, and so you have to, again, now you have to reinvent yourself. At that point, Jesus, fuck, it's just... Um, It's almost like you, you don't know. Uh, you don't have that same kind of um, 
confidence in your next move. So you just, I, what I do is I just, um, I just let, I just let things kind of carry me to the next stage. And so doing, that's how I, I ended up, um, well, I became a driver after I was doing some, um, I answered this ad in a, uh, it was for a uh, chase driver. I thought, well, I think I know what that is. Here comes this guy in the Corvette again. He comes in here every time. Looks like, maybe he's on his way. He looks like he's on his way to the bad cave, but. Vaya Caldios, amigo. Um, So, what was I talking about? Oh, fuck. Oh, yeah, that's right. Chase car driving. So, I, I kind of figured I knew what chase car driving was. And I, I, was, I was correct. I, I, I emailed this guy. And what he did, he was a, um, he was a subcontractor for uh, PG&E. And um, when they were, this is, and this was kind of fascinating. But um, he would be hired to go pick up and move their vehicles. So usually they're like big, um, they're just they're just huge rigs. They're just kind of a uh, like a Class C license type, some kind of commercial rig. Not a uh, not a big rig or a semi, but a big. PG&E utility truck, you know, something just uh, slightly, slightly larger than a, a full-size pickup, and uh, with all the spools, the gear, and then um, they'd have to get it from one station to another. They got, they've got PG&E has stations littered all over Northern California, and in 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 typically, typically remote spots, like fairly remote spots, so. Um, so he'd have to go to like, he'd go to Davis and then he'd have to take one up to like Redding or Bernie. And uh, so I would follow him. Um, well, I would, I would drive him to the pickup, to the pickup spot. And then he would commandeer the vehicle. I would follow him up to wherever it was, to Redding, Davis, Woodland, um, Jackson, wherever, and um, drop the vehicle off, and then I would just take him back to uh, to our start point to the to to his house, drop him off, and uh, and that 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 was what that was 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 me figuring out what I was going to do, how I was going to do, and eventually it evolved into this this courier stuff, which I knew that I mean wasn't by design I didn't think I'd be driving like this as much as I did but at the same time it doesn't really bother me it's such a it's such a god it's almost like um I don't know I feel like I'm under the radar a little because I don't have to deal with anybody. I don't have to deal with higher ups. I don't have to, um, like I say, like I say, there can be a lot of chaos between uh, a lot of our on-demand drivers, and the on-demand drivers are just they they pick up one one item and then they go from A to B. 
And uh, so there's a lot of favoritism with our dispatch. And so there tends, it creates a lot of tension. So then, so then, but, uh, so then you have little mini protests, mini, you know, a little mutiny, a little tiny mutiny of sorts. You know, where like, uh, if you planned on helping them out during the weekend, you even made a semi-commitment or the intention but then you're like, fuck these motherfuckers. So, so Friday, that's what I was kind of like, uh, okay, so my lady went to Vitalent. Vitalent, who subs a lot of their work to us, basically got an angry letter from, I guess, the owner of our company that said that we didn't like the fact that you're poaching our drivers which pfft, whatever I don't know it's almost uh, it's almost entertaining just to sit back and watch watch unfold um, so then I so Friday I decided uh, hey, you know what I'm gonna take it easy today I'm gonna do my workout um, I usually go like um with the weights, I'll go three days on, two days off. So, let's see, Friday was a... Uh, is it a day on? Yeah, that was a day on. And so, I got my body armor on. was ready to face the day. Get a call from dispatch. Hey, can you cover the uh, Placerville and Folsom pickups? Why, certainly. Because of the mini mutiny and the protest that had gone on, um, and they were down drivers, I was kind of like, back of my head, I'm thinking to myself, they're, I'm, I better lay low. So, I, I don't want to be swept up into this mess. I don't want to be having to pick up slack where it needs to be picked up. I'm just going to do my job, and I'm going to get it over with. So, I then, uh, so the pickups for. Placerville and Folsom were at four and four thirty, but it dawned on me as I'm sitting there, I'm 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 having my lunch. I'm thinking they're probably done early, and I called over there, and sure enough, they had about an hour left. So I, fucking, this isn't my chance. Drive up there instead of waiting till four o'clock because I had a three thirty over in Fair Oaks, and um, so I just jammed up to. Placerville, they were literally, literally leaving as I was pulling in, rounded up their boxes, from there went down to Folsom, it's like 109 degrees out, you know, it's fucking hotter than, hotter than Hades, and uh, get into Folsom, they got one left on the, you know, one left in the chair, they're uh, getting ready to package, it was a pretty busy day, but, uh, Stopped in, said hi to the girls, started loading up. By the time I got to the last box, that was a wrap. I was packed up. They were done. It was 3 o'clock. I was out the door. I got. I made it down to Vitalant. Saw my lady dropped off. Still had time to get over to Fair Oaks. To, I was only about 15 minutes late. And uh, knocked that out. And then... That was it. That was a wrap. I mean, that is, that's, that's, that's my day. 
On the way back, I'd got a call. Hey, can you help out with a... Uh... Nope. Sorry. Okay. Sorry about it, Grandpa. Can't help you there. I'm staying out of that shit. It's none of my business. I don't care. I don't need to deal with them. I just do my job. And, uh, you know, and just keep moving forward. Just keep moving forward. It's all you can do. We're getting into a point now where it's like, uh, we're getting into the dog days here. I'm, I'm, I'm looking out, out at the weather here. And it's kind of, it's looking, it's like, it's like muggy. It's like cloudy and muggy and gross. So we're kind of like, it's, like, we're in it now. Like, this is, like, any, any notion that we're not fully embedded in summer is, is by the wayside because we're going into the dog days is now, now what we're doing. So the, uh, the major league all-star breaks over, everyone's back on the field. Everyone's now they're gearing up. They're making their, they're jockeying for position. They're getting their trades ready before the deadline. Fucking show high. They're probably going to trade show high. He's probably going to go to either LA or San Francisco. And, uh, man, I really, I, I botched the description of, of comparing him, his numbers to Babe Ruth's, but the gist of it was this guy at the same point when these two guys were at the same point in their careers after like a I think it was 600 and something at bats they were each 30 one was 35 and 18 the other was 35 and 19 as far as pitchers and they both as far as home run totals were one was 160 and one was 159 there's between the two of them at this stage in each of their career, the difference is only one loss in their win-loss for pitching and one home run. Fucking incredible, huh? But, so, um, yeah, so August is going to happen fast. There's a lot going on. I was talking to my buddy Mike again. He was talking about his, uh, his daughter's boyfriend who has this machine shop. And uh, he's into uh, metal, metal, metallurgy? I don't know. Is that what it is? Is that what it's called? Um, but he's got a big CNC router that does, uh, I guess it's, I guess metal. And, um, but he's only like 24. But he's got this shop. He's got two, three pieces of equipment. He's got fucking trucks and boats and shit like that I'm like god damn 24 I didn't know how to I could barely spell my own name at 24 he goes yeah what were you doing what were you doing at 24 I said to myself fuck dude he was going in and bird dogging chicks with his buddies out in San Diego I was sleeping in a cow pasture in Ireland somewhere in Kilkenny <laughs> Meanwhile, this kid's running a, sh a whole machine shop, but, um, but yeah, you know, you never, you never know how life's going to pivot for you, right? How it's going to end up in, 
you just gotta kind of take 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 one thing at a time learn from one piece at a time you know you don't necessarily have to be the first to do something but you can learn from the person that did the first thing you know you can learn from the first person to fuck something up learn from the first person that um first person to eat the wrong type of mushroom the first person to you know paint their paint their car without using the right catalyst you can learn from the person the first person that uh you know tried to make it across the atlantic in a rowboat and uh make your adjustments from there right be the first you can be the first person to ride an electric wheelchair from California to Maryland. Although that's probably already been done. I don't know. Maybe it was that guy. Maybe it was that guy the other day that I saw in the left turn lane, which wasn't even a turn lane. He was pretty confident though. He was like, he was pretty old too. He was like, I think he was escaping from like a, um, like a hospital or something. Maybe he was escaping from the VA. I don't know. I don't know, Mike. Yeah, it's a crazy world out there. Crazy world. You know, <laughs> me and Doc got a dot on account of something wrong with my semen. So we went down to the clinic, you know. They brought out this, this little boy, this little Korean boy with his heart born on the outside of his chest. I said, Doc, what else you got? It's a crazy world out there. I'd buy tickets. Anyway, that's the, uh, that's the podcast for today, boys and girls. Hope you enjoyed it. Just kind of me rambling, sitting in the heat. Yapping about nothing. I hope you come away with this as, with as much, with as, as much of nothing as I just did. So, happy Monday. I'll talk at you later. Not a rebate, baby.